to Film Suck. Um, today, which is Halloween, we are appropriately doing the All Adams Family um, episode, and we're going to cover everything from the late 1930s, Charles Adams um, drawings for The New Yorker, the cartoons, all the way up through the Adams Family animated film that's currently playing in theaters. So all of that to come, but before we get get going let's just watch, do a quick check-in how are you doing Evgenia I'm doing all right a bit low energy because I um only what is it two days ago got back to New York after five months away and um, and away yeah, in Moscow you should say so that's quite a flight <laughs> yeah yeah that yeah oh actually that's the thing no we uh uh, we uh, were last two weeks in Israel, so the flight was from Tel Aviv back here. Yeah, but it's, yeah, it's even even longer actually. But what I while it's fresh, <laughs> I kind of want to share like the craziest I think film related stories connected to the fact that um, mm-hmm. I finally made it to Palestine to the West Bank mm-hmm. when we were in Israel, and. Uh, yeah, and despite that, the fact that I've been in Israel before, but it usually is with like Jews, it's like everyone kind of tells mm-hmm. you not to go to the West Bank. And it's generally the whole kind of thing, semi-hidden from you as a kind of guest or tourist. But this time we did go, meaning right. you have to cross checkpoints to get to the other side. Yeah, and um, yeah, and I do have to say it's obviously very unfortunate and kind of dystopian, but it's literally like a mix of all my favorite sci-fi movies, what, what's happening generally in there, which is, you know, <laughs> you, you probably like them too, right? There's mm-hmm. uh, Starship Troopers, Total Recall, mm-hmm. uh, well, District yeah. 9, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. What else? In Time. <laughs> like, kind of just mixed mixed together in this like really right. weird kind of black hole of a place black hole not that it's anything bad but because it's sort of like hidden from uh-huh. I think from the outside world by mostly by mostly kind of the media it seems that way the way it's, yeah I mean you once know, you decided to go to, was there anything beyond like yeah. having to go through checkpoints was anything made difficult for you besides that yeah yeah that's that's the thing no the check yeah yeah the the, the checkpoints are kind of interesting when you go from Israel to the West Bank, um, it's very easy breezy. You sort of can, I think you can even take a, spe- mm. a special kind of bus for, for foreigners where you don't even um, get out to walk the checkpoint. You just kind of like dr- driven in. Um, but but we took uh, the bus with like all the Palestinians and you have, mm. and the bus stops before the checkpoint on the Israel side. You come out, you just walk in and it's very easy. The problem is when you Went across the other, right. in, like the, to the other side, the other, the other side. Yeah, you. Then it's kind of actually super weirdly militaristic. When we were crossing um, the, um, it's like an Annapolis in the middle of the West Bank. We were trying to get back to Israel, which, which is um, Nazareth, because Nazareth mm-hmm. is uh, Israeli territory. And the checkpoint there, yeah, it was pretty kind of horrific. Basically, the um, really fitting in terms of mm. art design and like the production design for for yeah. any kind oh, of new Bloomkamp's movie, I feel. Mm. Uh, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's like a big wall. And then once the checkpoint in, you can sort of um, come in as if it's like a sort of a bad right. subway system. You know, it's like, um, I don't know what do you call the thing. Yeah, you can come in. But then, it w- first of all, what happens, it's uh, kind of one-way road, meaning that um, 
uh, I think if there's like enough people from going from one side, you have to wait in line. And then the other people who want to go, you know, it's one checkpoint, one direction. Mm. So you have to wait for a long time for, you know, for, for the direction, <laughs> I think, of the traffic to change. That's that's one thing. And then once you even go in, it's sort of you feel like pretty much like cattle, like kind of cattle. You never see any people and mm-hmm. they see you, but you don't see them because the way it's like organized mm-hmm. with this like weird tall walls inside the checkpoint. And you go from room to room very slowly with only like, I think they they mm-hmm. separate people by seven. So with, with like with like seven people. And at some point you have to like kind of go into an extra room and leave your wallet and um, not the wallet, the phone and the passport. And then come out to another small room to wait for right. the officers to check, you know, to check your passport. You never see them. And then, yeah, and, you know, there's like a weird kind of like messages that I can understand because I think they were in either, I think he- mostly in Hebrew, that tell you what to do, like next step, next step. So the people were helping us out to figure out what's happening. But you basically kind of have to go through all these weird sections inside the checkpoint, yeah. never seen a person. And then once, if they if they feel that your documents are fine, you finally kind of almost on the other way, finally see, usually it's mm-hmm. like a young officer, girl, or like literally can be almost mm-hmm. a teenager, a boy, an Israeli boy, uh, sitting in a booth and then he or she like, and our girls, it was like a young girl uh, just checking your passport and you can actually see a person. But next to her in a booth, there's like a, a military mm-hmm. um, officer, Israeli mm-hmm. military officer, with a huge gun, like literally Ugh. pointed at you from above. So is this the Starship Troop crossing that last, or the District Nine, line. or some combination? <laughs> yeah, this, uh. yeah, yeah. I'm kind of being like, this is this. Mm. I think this is a combination of Starship Troopers um, that you more feel. I think the Starship Trooper yeah, vibe when you're on, yeah. on the Israeli side because it's just like yeah, because it's a very yeah. sort of upbeat, you oh, know, hyper militarized. <laughs> Uh, somewhat hot young people kind of state all dressed uh, in uniforms then with, you like, cross big over. Guns walking yeah, around. Then you cross Cheer, over to like, District 9. Cheerful. I got it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. You cross over to District 9. The checkpoints, there's something bit of an in-time thing because, again, for average Palestinians, especially the workers, like, I think to even be allowed if they're stuck, if they're like West Bank dwellers, even to cross, they have to have some kind of entry mm-hmm. work type of visa it's like their own place. They have to visa. So, and I think, who knows, maybe like some richer people have it easier. So this checkpoint right. crossing is a whole different story. So I think the people, yeah, ha- have a actually uh, hard time yeah. of crossing those borders, which definitely reminds of the whole in-time zoning because mm. it's like definitely a different zone. Yeah, and the District 9 thing and just or any anything else actually, even thinking of Chappie, mm. you know, basically all the Neil Bloomkamp aesthetic, it, it is crazy. It's like almost like you don't need to do anything to film <laughs> to film there because you know the wall looks kind of like really mm-hmm. weirdly ugly on all sides partially because i think from the west bank they sometimes throw some i don't know mm-hmm. what do you call it some gas thing or they it's this or paint mm-hmm. they paint it in a weird way and they attack it sometimes so they're like kind of ugly <laughs> ugly right. weird things like hanging from the wall so it's like very 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 disturbing and at the same time um every i don't want to exaggerate but might be like every 500 meters within like in the wall right. there's like a military tower right. embedded into the wall with an israeli soldier <laughs> on top sitting there and you can kind of like from when you look up mm. you can kind of see them and it's like a really cool <laughs> um i mean you know it's sad but it's like a really 
interesting architectural mm. kind of style of the military towers in the wall. Yeah, so yeah, that's like all <laughs> all the movies jump together. And the other the other part that we found out in Bethlehem is that yeah, the the West Bank water is oh, fully dear. controlled by Israel. So and uh, they kind of allow water supply that's like once a month. I think it's really not exaggeration. And it's sort of like enough more or less time because they start pumping through the water pipes like to, mm. you know, to get the water and to stock it. Um, it's usually like big water. Um, what do you call it? Like the, um, uh, I don't know, the storage things on, on top of every Palestinian house. And so once a month they're getting refueled, which is hundred percent tall recall remember the the whole um, oh right you That's know right. oxygen controlled yeah, yeah. mars mars yeah. colony i mean <laughs> yeah anyway that's that's kind of my semi weirdly cheerful i think take on the place if you if you you know because like if you're not if you're not going to be cheerful then it's well just and you get pool. to leave you know you can go you get into to, you kind get, of darkness you know if you know you no, 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 I, I get to leave but like you even, wouldn't be able to fake cheerful for very long yeah, i'm yeah. sure no 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 my my cheerfulness is also like i mean it's a bit mm. affected because i mean how else how yeah how else you're gonna look at this place especially like you know, yeah being jewish it's like yeah, yeah it's a very i think dark how long did dark, you stay dark kind of stain <laughs> I don't know. Oh, in Israel, total like almost two weeks, but in Palestine, we're like um, traveling days. around West Bank for like five days. Yeah. Not, not, not too long. That's mm. probably could have stayed longer. The interesting part, speaking of the any kind of artist related stuff, yeah. you know, Banksy opened um, a hotel. Oh, have you, you heard w- of it? Wait, he opened it in the West Bank. The be- Banksy Banksy opened a hotel in the West Bank to kind of as a fuck you I think right. to to Israel obviously because he w- called it uh, the walled off hotel right. you know the walled off and it's right next to the wall and from uh-huh. inside if you're staying there your view is the military towers and the wall because it's um located like I don't know literally under uh, ten yeah. meter, meters away from the wall. Did you stay in it or did you just go by? Yeah. yeah. So it, yeah, we stayed one. Yeah, we stayed one night. Um, and you know, like some, I guess, locals or I don't know, some Palestinians. I mean, they can, I guess, they can criticize it as a sort of, you know, <laughs> it, it attracts a certain, <laughs> certain international visitors, and it has a certain <laughs> kind of, yeah, exactly. I don't know, hip that vibe seems a bit weird. It. And and it's, a bit it's, weird. it's a bit weird for the place. It's just like it's uh, a bit weird. It's Banksy. Uh, I know. I know. And the Banksy like did a lot of graffiti. On yeah, the west, um, on the mm. wall from the West Bank side, but the other, but on the other hand, it feels really like you did a good job because it does attract people that it wouldn't attract otherwise, and mm. it allows them to see what's going on there, and then you know mm. they can probably spread the word, and otherwise they wouldn't be drawn to the place. So even if it's uber hip mm-hmm. designer kind of like hotel with his art full of his art inside i mean i think it does kind of does a good job and and the views are really <laughs> one of the most yeah. terrific hotel views like i guess you can have but so yeah but in, but some people love him there because again because of this mm-hmm. he attracts i think yeah. attention to the problem i don't know uh, <laughs> yeah so anyway <laughs> what what's oh, uh, i wish what's i could say anything interesting <laughs> I'm fighting the battle of, you know, Western New York. So it's not nearly as exciting. We're going into real fall now. So that means, like, you know, great, great fall colors, but also leaves are just coating everything and they're all soggy from the constant rain. So it's, it's very, it's very nicely moody, which is, which is kind of great after living in California, you know, flat sunshine for, 
forever. You know, it's wasted on me. I'm, I'm not a big sun fan. So people who love it, of course, are always like, California is the best weather in the world. And I'm just like, oh, every day you wake up to the same <laughs> yeah. flat glare and the same empty sky. And it's so boring. I was, I was raised with, you know, I was raised with gothic weather. So I, I could never get into it. Of course, now California is, you know, burning down and it's disaster central. And I have lots of friends still there who are re- reporting that I was lucky to get out when I did. It's really, really terrifying now. I mean, it was scary when I was there. But it's really getting to terrifying levels. Yeah, I have a few friends who moved out, like precaution. You know, yeah. they're not forced to move, but they did. And um, well, I don't know. It's uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know if you can uh, expect that. But I wonder if the California real estate prices, yeah, well, anything <laughs> will go, go down. down. <laughs> I don't know. There's such a madness in this country now. It's like, how long can everyone just go? This is fine, <laughs> you know. And carry on. Uh, you know, there's ordinary citizens, of course, are terrified because they know the worst consequences will fall on them. But uh, the wealthy, do they ever do they ever worry about that? Do they always think they can buy it off, including including fires, including they have their own firefighters. They have private firefighting forces. They just always think yeah. they, they can. And maybe they can. What do I know? Maybe they can. Maybe they can beat it all, at least for a few years longer than, you know, we all then we all live. I don't know. I don't know. So it's hard to imagine people really abandoning California wholesale. There's too much money there. You can smell it in the air. That's true. Well, yeah. Let, let's let me dream. It seems weirdly deserving. Yeah. California well, has always led the nation supposedly in trends and tendencies. And so that the apocalypse starts there would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Would make sense because it's usually was like a, yeah. almost like a cultural. There was always this quiet the expectation world, right? of it anyway. So, <laughs> and then it, it's almost like yeah, you yeah, know, escape absolutely. from LA or something. Car- Carpenter really yeah. had yeah, some yeah. or kinda, even Day of the Locust or oh, you know, there's so <laughs> many. There's so many novels. The there's the indication that we all kind of quietly know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the wrath of God is coming or whatever yeah. it's going to be. Some some for some wrathful force is coming. Yeah. True. And plus, there's something almost kind of semi-biblical in the fact that um, one of the richest part of Los Angeles, hence the whole world, yeah. has been hit yeah, yeah, by yeah. this, right? So there's something, you know, the wrath of God. Yeah, the, the cheerful leveling. <laughs> yeah, there are these moments the of rich. like, really, Malibu's burning? Yeah. <laughs> People with smiles on their faces, you know, it's terrible. I'm like, whoa. You can't, how can you help it? You know, yeah. finally. Finally, your beach house is Fire. not gonna is not is gonna burn down. Good, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, constant mental contrast <laughs> then there and here because of course I'm hearing about it all the time. So yeah, and I always pictured myself leaving That's California, true. running ahead well, of a huge fireball like in an action film. I really, I really did. Oh yeah, you, you literally. You were thinking about it because of because of yeah, the fires just because from more and more like kept happening. Years, There's been that? more and more little yeah. earthquakes, for example, which are always the the, mm-hmm, the omen mm-hmm. of the big one, and there, and then all the That's fires, true. and of course now PG and E, uh, you know, starting the fires, but also rolling blackouts are going to become the norm. They're saying, and there's the, the, which is really feeding a nationalized, you know, um, you know, nationalized PG and E, um, have the state take it over. So that's cheerful, but it's just. 
just was this feeling like we are right on the end. Just, you know, you know, the water cannot last. It literally can't last. <laughs> and so, and so, you know, the whole time yeah. I was there, I was like, you know, what will, what will happen before I can get out of here? I just had this morbid, you, I have a very, very morbid <laughs> sensibility. And part of it was just like, I'm never going to get out of California alive. It'll happen right before the night before we leave some, <laughs> some devastation, but we made it <laughs> right on time. Yeah. yeah. Right on time. Man, yeah. Well, and we're in the hey, same finally in the same in the same even state. Oh my this god, is unheard of. <laughs> we should have a nice steady connection. Let's see, <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. To well, Adam's which family. brings us yes. back to Adam's family, which is <laughs> which they were in. Mm-hmm. You know, in the new animation film, it finally tells the story how they found <sighs> uh, the family found themselves um, in that weird Which is house number in, one wrong-headed move that the right? movie makes. It makes nothing but wrong moves, if you ask me. It looks mm. kind of beautiful. They clearly went right back to the drawings. Like, Wednesday Adams is the drawing made to look three-dimensional. <laughs> um But everything else, and especially that backstory, I was, like, ripping my hair out. Because, you know... The, the Adams family, if you follow the cartoons and the the '60s show and the '90s films, which are all good, they're just there. Mm-hmm. They're, the point is, there's no explanation. You know, they're just there. They've always, as far as you know, they've always been yeah. there, and there's no explanation. And they just live with this great calm insouciance in the in amongst middle class people. They're literally right right next door. And Morticia goes next door to borrow a cup of cyanide in a, in a Charles Adams cartoon. And the idea is they're they're just there, hardly aware that there's any reason why they wouldn't be and kind of a blank reaction to people being terrified and horrified and everything else. And that's a big part of I don't know, the, the the light of the thing. So to have the and, and the backstory they chose is so terrible if you love the Adamses, because it's all about how they got driven out of of, a, of an Eastern European kind of, you know, vampire center kind of country, one assumes, and they, they were living in a castle, they get driven out by a torch-bearing mob, and they relocate to New Jersey because they have to go someplace horrible, because then they'll feel at home. <laughs> someplace people wouldn't be caught dead in, so they go to New Jersey. And you know they're they're afraid to, they they wind up living in a hilltop it was a former insane asylum they wind up converting it to their mansion and they live in isolation in this hilltop afraid to go outside cuz Morticia especially is afraid of torch bearing mobs and you're just like wrong 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 this is wrong <laughs> but speaking of this speaking of the the mob and the the fact that they were mm-hmm. you know they were chased this movie the animated movie shows that they were chased out of Europe i mean didn't it this time around obviously it's totally wrong to even explain anything mm-hmm. how they found themselves from New Jersey, but the way they did it, it really reminded me of the narrative of just oh, the God, classic so kind of Jewish of pogroms. Oh. Or I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, since when they're Jews? They're like, might be like some weird and vampire that's picked gypsies, up all the way through. Jews. You you, had, you had mentioned earlier to me the the weird bar mitzvah storyline yeah. with with. With Pugsley, it's My totally a bar thing mitzvah. Is He's coming to manhood. He has yeah. to he has to read a text, <laughs> and then he has to perform this kind of ceremony. The the you know was it was the Marushka, right? And it's clearly modeled on the Mamushka, which is the joyous dance that happens. <laughs> and I think the first '90s Adams Family movie, yeah, the first one. Um, yeah, so and that goes throughout. And there's that weird Uncle Fester performance that you pointed out, and you're so right. He, they, Fester is played by Nick Crawl. His name is. Like he's some Jewish mm-hmm. uncle. All the cadences are kind of stereotypical Jewish uncle. So 
that's running through the whole movie in the most bizarre way. <laughs> yeah, and you know, like I, I, I mean, it's sort of an on the nose, but I looked right. up. I've never heard of him. The screenwriter is like one person is Matt Liberman, and I'm like, well, I guess his inside was that. All right, the Adams family, they are some kind of the right. ultimate other in America, and he, the only thing he could do uh, is yeah. make them basically into Jews. He's probably he has his own some kind of Jewish experience, which is well, I don't and did really, Nick Kroll. Really I bad, looked him up because I really never heard of him. He's been very a very successful kind mm-hmm. of I guess writer performer, and he comes from a conservative Jewish mm-hmm. family. It's prominent in his biography. So it's just like okay, so this found its way into huh. the Adams family narrative, but it then that makes it the persecuted. Adam's family. And that's the whole the whole narrative is how or a big part of it is how they're going to overcome, especially Morticia's fear of the townspeople, which and the town is called assimilation. And and they're going to start out making it like, oh, uh, yeah, the con- hor- horrible conformist townspeople, blah, 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 which at least bears some relation to the Charles Adams. You know, he, they're clearly in a very, you know, uh, um, you know, a prosaic provincial, you know, kind of small, you know, small town or suburban kind of community. But it, this is going to is going to take it to such a crazy point that they really wind up in the end assimilated. That they, they literally have to learn a lesson about the Adamses have to learn a lesson. Just, just hold on to your hats. If you know the Adams family, it's not just that the townspeople have to learn to accept the Adamses. The Adamses have to learn to, to be more open and accept other, because they're too conformist as well in all their darkness. And this is just like, again, if you know the Adams family, the Adams family can accept anybody. They're, they're not phased by anything. You know, they're like, they're not, no. they're never scared. And they're not scared. And Morticia is a, also, like the the my my, my particular oh. offenses with the Marticia character. Not only she's horrible, she's some kind of like yes. a, a scared waif. What the hell? Yes. Isn't she matriarch? Yes. She's not good. <laughs> she she even gets kind of like dominated yeah. by bitch match by everyone. Yeah, by she lo- yeah she's constantly whatever. having to roll her eyes because her mother in law is you know some sort of terrible stereotypical mother in law always always nagging and acting like she knows best for the kids. And yes, Morticia winds up going along with her yeah. but rolling her eyes, and you're just like, oh my, oh my god. <laughs> So I don't know. You can you can't you know yeah. you can't get <laughs> so Morticia wrong. Is- Morticia is absolutely <laughs> central to yeah. and you're and you're right. She's the controlling, you know, figure you feel. She's the one of quiet, you know, what? She's always stately. She's always perfect looking. She's a perfect fi- figure of kind of the alternative gorgeous that everyone should aspire to. You know? It's it's you know, it's the icon <laughs> I use on my Facebook. Um I, it's what, I know uh, how when when did it start? I think all every I think it's been for many years. You have yeah, the well, avatar of Morticia, going right? Back to the the, yeah, the drawing itself is the most perfect Morticia. Supposedly, he, uh, Adams based yeah. it on his first wife, so she must have been amazing looking. Because <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I I looked. But and you know, like I feel the um, God, the Angelica she's great. Is still. The best compared to the rest, she's got that drawing. elongated face even, and the even, elongation even, of of Morticia. This yeah. glorious, long, narrow, um, long, narrow form is is so central to to what's so mesmerizing and and marvelous. And of course, that outfit, that marvelous octopus leg dress that spreads—it's completely form fitting until the bottom and then spreads out into these tentacles. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, but she's 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 perfection because she's unfazed by anything, um, perfectly self possessed at all times, and the, just the the glories of 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 the, those amazing looks that tell what she is. So she could never be phased by all these lesser mortals. In her generosity, you know, she she's willing to accept anyone, but she's never rattled, never in the least rattled. So. What a bizarre set of choices. Yeah, and you see so her putting on makeup at the beginning. We're introduced then, to her as she's as she's putting on makeup. Just, and you're like, what? <laughs> Literally blush. Then, she's putting on blush. I'm like, Morticia is totally pale. Yeah. Totally gothically pale. So where can you where can you even go from there? Every every major plot choice, every major character choice that get, gets made in the, the animated film, which again gorgeous looking animation but they get everything wrong everything they just do crazy things like having lurch they have him being they find him in the road they hit him with their car when they get to new jersey and he's straight jacketed and he's an escapee from the insane asylum okay but then they get to the insane asylum and it's been abandoned forever it's all completely falling apart and that's where they decide to live in this abandoned so you're like well but then where did he escape from so there's just like that's just a small, yeah, indication yeah, of things make that make no sense, sense or completely sloppy screenwriting. But the but by far the worst is just like you don't, they don't get the the sensibility at all that the, the yeah no and yeah not only sensibility but it's also the way you know I don't know if I guess if it's catered for kids I was I watching in the movie theater. And the kids yeah. seemed to, you know, laugh at a lot, many jokes and they liked it. But they were literally like, like 10, 11. And in this movie, it's very one note. It just has no other layer. So I guess if it's if it's literally just animation for kids, it sort of works. But you can't. Well, that's the danger. Because when you're a, a kid, of course, very, you, yeah. you, you don't have any frame of reference. So anything that's amusing visually, you're going to like. But mm-hmm. that's exactly the danger. <laughs> you know, if, if you're raised with really flawed material, really faulty, really thin, really bad. I, I can't help it. I, I saw the same thing in students who like worship the Transformers and stuff. They just had had such terrible content Ugh. growing up that it had really marked them. And of course, I have to put in a little brag here. I was raised on Looney Tunes cartoons and the Adams Family show and many other great shows. Whoa. That's fantastic for you. That just, you can just feel it building, <laughs> practically building bone and muscle. It's like, it's so good for you. It's so, yeah. it's so what? automatically critical autom- and, and just pack yes kind of totally too. there's something but at the same time too. you're gonna be nobody's otherwise, fool. Yeah. you're not gonna be you're not gonna be talked into you're not gonna be yeah. easily assimilated shall we say into into really bad values it seems like it gives you it gives you something some kind of strength that you're not gonna get from most of the content that that you tend to see and boy this is the most toothless film they wind up having one main antagonist yeah. which is this real estate woman who's also a, a kind of you know a home renovation tv star her name's Margot, and she's this horrifying blonde pastel wearing creature but they won't even stick to that so in the end it's just like she's the problem the townspeople will come around and like the adamses if she's not there so you're like all right well what's her punishment gonna be well there is no punishment in the end the extended adams family just buy all the houses she's trying to sell and Fester winds up in love with her, and she just gets brought in. So, so again, assimilation is the is is the turns out to be not a problem. Everyone is just brought in. The Adams family literally paints their mansion turquoise and pink to fit in better. And I was just like, just shoot me right, 
right now in this theater. That was so that was so horrifying. That was really a jaw droppingly terrible moment. Where you know Wednesday's wearing pink because why shouldn't she be able to choose for herself? So like pastels. That's one of Martisha's great lines in the '90s films, where she confronts you know another blonde horror show um, woman who's who's seduced and married Fester and, and disinherited them all. You know, so the, the Adamses are all out on the street, and Morticia has a great speech to her where she says something like, "You've made Fester a sex slave and ruined his life and destroyed us." And then she says, "I can respect that." <laughs> but then says, but then, but then she follows up with I but Debbie, that line. <laughs> pastels. So clearly, the pastels—that's the bridge too far. You've made these this horrifying choice, in, indicative of other major, major problems. So, but you know, this other pastel-wearing monster, no problem. You know, no problem at all. There's no, there's no punishment. She's just absorbed in, and everyone's going to live happily together. And oh, it's just a nightmare of a, of a film. Sorry for the spoilers if you were intending to see it, but I feel you should awesome. be warned. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah, I don't think there's a much of the spoilers. You can't you yeah. can't spoil this it's film. it's that terrible. It's, it's that, that terrible. It's a complete wrong-headed reconception of the Adams family. So anything that was great about the Adams family is gone. And it's so interesting because the 90s films were so unexpectedly good. They were really good. I know. But I do have to say, like, the 90s film do kind of, I think they're very unequal. The second one, uh, written by, what is it, Scott mm-hmm. Rudin, the Adams Family Values, seems to be so much tighter. Well, I don't know. I like the first one as well. Darker. I love the second one, but I don't you think don't, the first like one the was bad. Mm-hmm. I think they came up with some, I mean, it has, the mm-hmm. first one has a couple of the greatest lines. I already named one. The other one is when Morticia is showing Fester, who has amnesia and doesn't know he's an Adams, and she's showing him the Adams family graveyard, and they come across the Adams family motto, and it's in Latin, of course, and she translated translates it to him and she says um we gladly feast upon those who would subdue us and then adds not just pretty words <laughs> it's this the best motto that was ever ever and she's trying to impress upon him the greatness of being an adams um and of course soon he's going to be converted back and get his memory back and remember he's an adams um and what and all that that means but that kind of um you know quiet ferocity <laughs> is 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 a, a really brilliant whoever wrote that line that was very very smart i just saw it quoted by someone today on facebook and i was like couldn't couldn't like it enough um because that's a really memorable line that sums up a kind of set of attitudes that's marvelous but um you know mm-hmm. i guess i like the second one better because of the yes. uh, my attachment to wednesday and so there's way more of yes, her there because they get sent to the camp. i forget the name of the camp it's no. some absurd faux <laughs> faux native american <laughs> yeah and it looks like I, yeah but i do have to say it looks mm-hmm. like any camp that i was sent as a kid as well which makes you try to make you like conformist sort yes. of uh, and everyone's grinning and, and wearing these terrible <laughs> cocky shorts and exhorting you to be part of activities and yeah that's yeah. a great sequence because of course yeah they actually take the native american theme identify with it and stage a like a raid on the camp and they draw together all of the all of the ostracized kids um 
you know, we do have a Jewish theme here just in the form of the of the kid who's, you know, dying because he doesn't have his inhalers and stuff and who gets a crush on Wednesday. But, you know, they lead this this huge, you know, rebe- rebellion um, of all the kids that nobody wants. Um, and, the, and they and it's burning. They're, the camp is burning to the ground in this grand, wonderful way as they as they paddle away peacefully uh, in their canoe. And so once again, there's this unsparing quality suggesting there are going to be huge huge consequences for going if you want to go up against the atoms that's never in i don't know it's a little bit in the in the initial cartoons it's almost not at all in the 60s show but the 90s really adds in a, a kind of a dark a dark layer about you know the adams family lives closely in close quarters with death and mayhem and you know it's very quiet and calm but it could come it will come out at you if you go after them but the, the, the most brilliant part is putting them in the harmony yeah. hut that's that's your punishment in the camp <laughs> Har- oh yeah and you harmony have to sit hut. in there and i don't know i forget what they're doing they have to listen to terrible <laughs> i don't know kitty music and watch cart what are they watching they're watching some awful oh they're watching um uh, Sound of Music, uh, and there's a couple of other films that are there to oh. brainwash them. So, and they're sitting there like like prisoners of war, having to endure um, the Harmony Hut, and that really speaks to you if you were ever an offbeat kid, such as it sounds like you were. I definitely was. I always identified with the yeah, Wednesday Adams as in well. In camp. Um, yeah, and uh, surprisingly, I only mm-hmm. recently realized the octopus thing, like. I have I have multiple oh, wow. octopuses toys. <laughs> That's the only toys I have. But Back that I to. never connected before. Finally, before watching the animation cartoon, right. they, they returned the octopus. Um, octopus was not in the '90s films for some reason, no, which right, I wonder why. Octopus. Right? He wasn't there. Is it not? No, I know. Mm-hmm. I'm, now I'm forgetting. Not there. Okay. He wasn't there. He but I think there, there are octopus patterns in the yeah, in the but, Charles uh, yeah. Adams cartoons. Besides just, just the bottom of Morty's dress, I think there's there's other octopus yeah. stuff um, the, in there. Interesting. I wonder. Okay, let's go. Like, okay. let's go back to the origins of the soul. So, because we like kind of <laughs> didn't, didn't didn't do a good job tracing it to Charles Adams. So, do you, do you know the um, the kind of the, the story of his like the discovery of the family? I kind of heard only about this. The, the, yeah, yes. the same as about, about his wife being sort of like the mar- inspiration for Morticia, but everything it's else. Pretty, is kinda, they do leave it pretty rigged from the. I read lost. several accounts, and they're and, yeah. they, and they all kind of seem to have poached on mm-hmm. each other. Um, and they're they're sadly vague. There's probably more to be get to get at if you if you really wanted to go into it. Yeah, but it sounds like he always had this very very <laughs> offbeat sense of humor, which people who knew him, you know, he was identified by early on. Mm-hmm. You know, he's drawing other cartoons. You know, he gets hired on at the New Yorker. He's you know as a fanatic, you know, draftsman. He's been drawing, drawing, drawing obsessively for many many years. He gets hired at the New Yorker and he starts doing little cartoons. Mm-hmm. And finally, one of them, I think it's the, I forget which year, it's 37 or 39, where he does a first Adams Family one. And they're an immediate hit. And he keeps getting asked to do more. And then he just keeps doing them as long as he lives. And he lives to be, I don't know, it's the late 80s when he finally dies. Because they just get to be this phenomenon. If you know New Yorker cartoons, eh, you know, it's a pallid bunch of stuff. Yeah, really, really toothless. limp, really yeah. toothless, very much for the, you know, kind of, I don't know, the upper class. Well, obviously the readers of the New Yorker, you can imagine, you know, they're really super, super mild. And his have the kind of appearance of mildness. 
But of course, what's wonderful is you just have to sort of focus your eyes and there you'll see what in a, in a theater in which many clearly, you know, middle class and upper middle class people are all weeping at a tearjerker playing in the movies. You, you finally locate Uncle Fester in the audience and he's the one laughing, <laughs> like really his fingers in this kind of claw like gesture and this big grin on his face as he's laughing. I mean, we used it um, as the model for the Film Suck logo, which is we kind of reversed it. It's me and Evgeny looking super deadpan and we're surrounded by by popcorn chewers who are laugh, all laughing and smiling at whatever comedy you're presumably they're looking at on screen and we're do, we're deadpan but that's where we got that idea and, you know it's one of the great it's one of the great cartoons because it looks like you know if you just if you just focus on the mass of other people in theater it looks like any other he has a drawing style that can fit in very well with the new yorker style until you start focusing and then all of a sudden you notice he gets all this depth. He does wonderful like ink wash um, um, kind of details of background. He's much more detailed and precise. And then, of course, when the humor hits, he would skews everything. So it seems like it's the 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 New Yorker is a kind of perfect cover for him because um, you, you get this little jolt of surprise and pleasure when you realize there's actually something <laughs> There's something great here that's happening in what could sort of pass for a New Yorker cartoon. So, yeah. So then, he, of course, he's the demand is constant and there's all sorts of collections, lots and lots of book collections. And obviously, supposedly he was consulted on the TV show and just it became this phenomenon, this great phenomenon. Um, so he has a really. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. And he didn't. Yeah. I, I say, no, he didn't live no. to see the 90s or consult in the 90s yeah, films. I think he died late 80s. 80s. I think. Yes. So he missed yeah. that, but... Yeah, it just... Yeah, he missed that. So I, I just feel like the, those movies really added something to the world of Charles Adams because, you know, uh, absolutely. it's Absolutely, like they seem to go back and effort, recover you know? a little of the of the darkness that was lost in the in the show. In the um, show, right? the show's great. The TV show, yeah. yeah. That's what I wanted, yeah. I do. I do have to ask you because you probably mm-hmm. you said you grew up watching that show, like all parts of it. Did weren't you turned off by the um, behind the it's scenes? It's now when I went to, to watch it again. Kind of the sitcom. really maddening. But I then when I was a yeah. kid, it was familiar, mm-hmm. and I was still in the era where there was still you could still catch the tail ends of laugh track stuff happening. <laughs> Plus, I was started. You know, I went through mm-hmm. my teens, and it, stuff was just being constantly in reruns. Um, so I, I watched it as a as a little. I don't know, know if I ever caught first run. I couldn't have. Um, so I was already watching it. It was endlessly in syndication for for a long time. So I was watching it then. It didn't bother me then because it was still close enough to the world that I knew. Plus, I loved all those shows that seemed to be a direct response to the 50s programming like Leave It to Beaver and Father Knows Best and Ozzy and Harriet. It seems like all that kind of suburban family, small town family, all very reverent, all very cutesy. And then you got, you know, Green Acres and Bewitched and Adam's Family. And they're clearly this kind of taking on that sensibility and and making it and completely skewering it completely making it you're much less reverent you're adding a fantastical element so i loved all those shows i was wild about all those shows um so it didn't bother me then but when i went to watch them again for this podcast i was shocked at how intrusive the laugh track is it's just terrible (laughs) Yeah. yeah yeah um and the show does other interesting things it's you know, there's a kind of quietness, obviously. I, I, obviously, there's no noise being made by the Ad- Charles Adam Carr's tunes, but even the style of his drawing is kind of 
is kind of superficially quiet and sedate. And the show's it, the show's a bit more rambunctious. You can even get that off the theme song, the the, the fingers, yeah, the famous true. finger snapping, you know, nutty theme song. I didn't, yeah, and and the, the animation, the animation, it, does. it, uh, it tries to go back to the cartoon finger snapping, and it's just kind of dumb i don't know it, not the, it, no it's in the show and it's in the new film but it feels like these um charles adams kind of like valium <laughs> valium sedated yeah. valium kind of family feel it's just lost both in the shows and um, you, know, you mean in the 60s show it's not there right and and then you well the 60s show yeah, changes 60 a bunch of things it clearly, I, this, I think yeah. probably it was partly mm-hmm. it wasn't going to be allowed to be that dark so it never looks that dark. So all this, all the sets mm-hmm. are kind of bare bones, but they still indicate there's grandeur, kind of gothic grandeur in kind of big, you know, big throne-like chairs, Morticia's big wicker chair, um, you know, giant man-eating plants. They find they find ways hang, hanging things on the walls that are somewhat macabre or, or kooky. They, they make it much more, quote-unquote, kooky, which was a term that was a very early to mid-60s yeah. <laughs> term. They do they definitely make, make it more like that, and it's cheerful. But it does some interesting things, and it's got a, a couple of great cast coups. Um, Carolyn Jones was, was mm-hmm. personally approved, supposedly, by Charles Adams um, as Marticia, huh. um, and, and she's marvelous She's because she's both beautiful, she's got enough Hollywood glamour, but she's, there's something very eccentric and offbeat about her face. She's got these huge kind of poached egg, almost Peter Lorre like, you know, eyes and a, t- a tiny nose. Like she is, a, her face is a little bit like a cartoon. And John Aston just can't, he can't be any better as Gomez. He's got exactly the kind of quality of maniacal glee um, that makes you love him. Um, the Raul Julia performance is almost entirely based on, you can see, he's just taking what John Aston came up with. Because um, it's hard to tell what to do with Gomez in the in the Charles Adams cartoons. He's, you know, he's he's not a dominant, he's quite as dominant a personality. Certainly, you're certainly not getting a ton of that kind of panache that John Aston brings. He's always got a cigar in his teeth, which isn't in the cartoons at all. Um, he's always sword fighting. He's always mm-hmm. exploding, you know, staging uh, train uh, toy train crashes. He's got this mad exuberance that that John Aston brings, and he's also got these kind of wild rolling eyes. Um, so he's super endearing. His brother said that that was that was the characterization closest to who he really was, which must mean he was just a riot um, to know. So it does definitely does different things for for example that just to show some of the ins, um like inspired talent that was involved in that show they're the ones who come up with the names and the names are perfect charles adams didn't name any of the kids or any of the any of the characters so morticia mm-hmm. gomez wednesday pugsley all that you know that's that's apparently them they even asked for a suggestion of what they should call the boy character they asked charles adams and he said pubert <laughs> and it was rejected because it sounded too Pubic. close to pubic. But of course, in if you saw, you know, in the in the '90s movies, they when the you know Morticia and Gomez have another child, they they do a, an homage to Charles Adams and call the new kid Pubert. Um, but so, but the, nevertheless, they did incredibly well, considering that all you've got to go on is those little cartoons, and you can restage a few of them. But that's only going to take a minute. So, how do you expand on that and and build a whole world? And the plots are almost always the same, variations. But it's almost always somebody from the outside world comes to their house. They're always already 
having a, a wonderful time. They've got, you know, gleeful pursuits. Um, Martisha's wild oil paintings, which are all in some sort of, you know, a high modernist style done in, you know, you know, just huge smudges of black. Gomez with his with his trains. They sword fight together periodically, you know, but they're always perfectly what engage fully engaged in a rich full delightful set of pursuits of their own someone from the outside world comes to i don't know make wednesday and pugsley go to school or something which they took for a part of the plot of um <laughs> the the current um animated film they, they whether wednesday's going to go to school or not which she decides she wants to um and then you know they're of course scared and frightened and disturbed by everything they see but they're too polite and, and conformist to usually say so and of course the atoms are usually almost totally unconscious of anyone shunning them or anyone's surprise and they're accepting of of everyone who comes and welcoming and they're always willing to drop their pursuits and be fully engaged with anyone so there's a kind of quality of you can't startle them you can't upset them they're calm cool collected they're 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 very very contented with their own lives and of course yeah, and that's what I think kind of like, what do you say? Not paradoxical, but they're actually pretty tight, warm, almost semi-conventional, uh, yes. functional family, you know, unlike like some dysfunctional, <laughs> I don't know, American families. Right. In, so Wednesday Adams has cut off the heads or... of all of her dolls and all that. <laughs> and what in, in, in the first one, it's she says, because the doll is Marie Antoinette, and it was off with her head. <laughs> and she does a slicing <laughs> gesture across her, her throat. And of course, you know, that's perfectly fine and wholesome play, according to, you know, Gomez and Morticia. It's, it's that kind of thing. All of, all of those qualities that are, in fact, are a big part. Who hasn't, who, who had a Barbie doll didn't immediately pop the head off? Um, I did. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that inclination, yep. that beheading gleefulness on the part of children um, actually is a wholesome thing, but very much put down and certainly would be now. We're in such a, 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 again, a toothless kind of world when it comes to children, trying to keep all darkness away from them. Everything's cream puffy. You know, that's very much a tendency now. Yeah, but... Yeah, but just what I guess what I meant to say more about just the general vibe and the, the Adams family values, what it actually is about is that, again, there are a very warm, tight and surprisingly Absolutely. functional, happy family. And uh, it's kind of, you know, obviously we don't need explanation why, why they are the way they are uh, in, in terms of being like a sort of a pre-industrial aristocr aristocrats with, you know, with servants and all. But there is a very strong anti-consumerist, I don't know, is it a message? I mean, it's not, it's not serious, but it does kind of touch you that they're really not into any kind of consumerist um, activity. You know the way I guess families are supposed well, in that to be. You, you mean in that they always they wear the clothes they always do. They they have the belongings that presumably are it go back to time immemorial. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not interested in whatever. Yes, the fads. The mm -hmm. they're not interested in anything, any buying or innovation or like basically they're not interested in any kind of you know like what is it American way of life right. So they're, <laughs> which I don't know if it was meant by any of the movies. I mean, Charles Adams on that level being that kind of, I don't know, 
they're sort of like dissidents, American dissidents. Yeah, and especially at the time he's doing cartoons, especially crossing into the fifties. Um, he's his whole sensibility is 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 against the grain in a bigger way than we can perhaps appreciate right now. Yeah. So it's very much against the fifties yeah. kind of vibe, and, and even um, the even the happiness yeah, question is an interesting one because that tends to be an insipid mm-hmm. word and goal in American society. It's it's and and you know Charles Adams does something with it, like that great cartoon where Gomez and and Morticia are on the couch in front of a roaring fire, and he says, "Unhappy darling," and she says, "Oh yes, yes, completely," and they take that and do it again in a in the first 90s Adams Family movie. That's but right. it's but of course they look completely you know in their in their in the wonderful Love. gothic gloom in their you know their passion for each other. It's better than happy their version of quote unquote un, being unhappy, which brings in all of the repressed um emotions um that that we you know we tended to, to want everyone to stay away from in American culture. They bring it all back and of course that makes for it's it's a better better than happiness a kind of dark glee which is exactly what i wanted i used to watch that and just be like that's that's what i want those cartoons that show later the movies that's what i i wanted my family who we were we were we were weird people in a very conventional affluent town and we did not belong not only as on a class level we were very much on the bottom rung um financially but we were these kind of darker you know, we just had a darker sensibility. And if only we'd gone full atoms. <laughs> That's always been what I thought. <laughs> Think how happy we could have been if we just rejected the values outright. We couldn't we couldn't conform anyway. Yeah. And like being sort of more confident in yes. your rejection, right? That's such a in fact, go go, so confident that you become yeah. like the atoms in that you, you basically ignore it. <laughs> if, <laughs> and invi- and kind of become yes, invincible absolutely. in some way, right? Yeah. Yeah, I can see. I can. I can see that. Yeah, because I think like, um, I, unfortunately, I didn't have the full family with the mm-hmm. hand and, and all the yes. servants, but I definitely had like Morticia mm-hmm. for a mom. Oh, that's Morticia died for a mom, and that and that wow. just <laughs> then just me and her. Yeah, so that, Morticia and, you know, in what way did she look like her, or did she actually Mar- have that? I quality? Think actually. Yeah, no, no. She even looks a bit like her, tall, thin, like kind of very dark uh-huh. sense of humor, very, very anti-consumerist, which is like in the post-Soviet um, Russia, uh-huh. you know, after Soviet collapse is sort mm-hmm. of unique because she never went for anything that was coming and, and you know, basically <laughs> to stuck to her values, which is just like, I don't know, books and <laughs> culture and preserving the mm-hmm. clothes you have for many years. Yeah, and, uh, and the kind of dark sense, I think... Dark relate like weird relationship to like death and you know being kind of uh, open with like a child right. about death and when you die and when you die there's nothing and you just put them to the ground and that's it and you might be either just like put straight down in the casket or you know what is it a burnt <laughs> down to the ashes mm-hmm. imagine that's that's oh, what wow. I knew from like age four <laughs> age four. <laughs> 
Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, especially, I guess, <laughs> now when I'm telling you, you know, most Americans are grow, grow up at least with some version of religion. Mm-hmm. That sounds pretty radical, Or you avoid right? the subject altogether. I wasn't raised with religion, but you definitely, you wouldn't go, yeah, you, you wouldn't go for the full explanation in my family. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is, this is pretty much the full <laughs> explanation I had. I mm. think it's still somewhat relevant. I mean, you can wonder, of course, what's after, but that, that explanation I got like many <laughs> years ago right. seems pretty, right. pretty ack. But um, yeah, so anyway, yeah, I definitely had that. It's like, you know, when your house is like, I have, for instance, the chairs I still have in my mom's apartment that I, um, you mm. know, was recently been staying for a while. They're from like mm-hmm. beginning, like the beginning of 20th century. I'm actually not mm-hmm. joking. It's her her, gra- her grandmother's wooden wooden chairs, you know, and stuff right. like that. So uh, most of the stuff is super old. It looks like a museum, and she doesn't feel mm-hmm. the need to change anything because <laughs> the why? house is a museum when people come to see them. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so it's, you know, things, some things are dilapidated. It's li- literally, I'm actually not exaggerating. I don't know who, who can prove, I guess. Yeah, Yasha can confirm, but it's, uh, it's uh-huh. very, very, no, I believe it's very you. much yeah. Adam's kind of environment, unfortunately. Well, yeah, and, and and the whole sensibility is why why would you ever, what, feel intimidated by or covet or care yeah. about when you, what you have, with the Adams, you always feel like what they have is so much yeah, better. Yeah, but that's because they also have, they, what you're saying, that you wish, let's say, your family had the mm-hmm. kind of the confidence in their yes. choices. Because for instance, yes, I feel my mom definitely had the confidence in her choices and still does, mm-hmm. but I didn't. Because like growing up, I think around the, you know, the <laughs> consumerist kind of culture, you, you know, it's hard to be, I think, confident in your rejection of it until much later probably in life so i definitely i think was on board with i don't know been interested in shopping at some at some oh, point. right and i was just i was whipsawed all over the place mm-hmm. by hating my freakish status and just i just had no sensibility that was like the kids around me and but i suffered totally yeah for it. i just assumed i must be wrong because again we just had we didn't have the courage of our own you know values shall we say <laughs> so we were so not adamsy but we should have been we literally lived in a house which was a kind of a, a farmhouse built right around 1905 that looked like it was Halloween permanently. People used to tell us that your house is so creepy. Oh my looking. god! So I mean, we could have like just been dilapidated. Like, yeah. yeah, well, it just looked dark. Uh-huh. It had that slightly gothic American gothic quality, mm-hmm. and the attic window admitted no light. So when you looked up, you just saw this terrifying black square. Oh my god! It looked like a ghostly face should come and look out that window. God. Just the look of you know, it. Was- I need to see the pictures if you have. No. I, oh, I know. I should. I should dig out should a picture dig. and see if I can do it justice. And we, you know, the, we just were not into housekeeping yeah. or yard keeping, and so the yard went all wild and crazy. And and we were surrounded by all these little houses, like little Cape Cods, little ranch houses. Ours was by far the, the <laughs> oldest house. Others were built in the fifties. Yeah. So it was so Adamsy in that you know you have the big crazy house, and right next door is just some some little Cape Cod that's adorable and perfectly kept up. Wow. And we so we had all. The the Adams material right there. God, it sounds like it's actually should have been way more confident and almost. We should have. <laughs> but we were. We were arrogant, completely should tortured. Have been arrogant in your- like, exactly. Well, yeah. you know, we did have some slight sense of private yeah. superiority, I think. But, but we couldn't make it stick out in the world. We were. We just felt so outnumbered. We were much more. I think that's why I hated the torch-bearing mob that scared the Adams family in the, uh-huh. in the, the animated film. Because 
the real Adams family, nothing more cheerful than a torch bearing mob. They would have loved that. They would have been like, <laughs> you know, um, but this, we just had none of that kind of courage of our convictions, which is so such a missed opportunity. I look back and I'm like, what, what, what went wrong? Why couldn't we see? We could have we could have had it. We could have had it all. We would have been happy. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Terrible to think about it. I mean, like a good example. One, one reason I like the first 90s film is they do a great job into having that kind of dark, you know, what I call the dark glee, the the, the exuberance of your, you fear nothing. Death has no fear for you. The Adamses are always courting death and they seem to be indestructible. You know, So it's not just the kids' explosives. It's things like the mamushka, that great scene where they do the traditional dance. Oh, yeah. And it's all full of swordplay and everything. Yeah, to, to talk about mamushka. Yeah, to talk about the mamushka. And I love the mamushka because that's what really converts amnesiac confessor back that's when he has such a great time that he starts to have an inkling that he actually hates the woman who adopted him. <laughs> this nasty, um, kind of conventionally evil woman. Um, he starts to realize what the greatness of the Adams family is, is because there's these, they have their own crazed rituals and traditions that are so much darker and more exuberant and more rich and full of life than anything you can get in the in the quote-unquote normal world and that's where he he converts and so and it is it's the most exuberant scene it's just like you just want to do that dance so it's so um, bad in your life and there is no opportunity to do that dance unless you've been very unusually raised <laughs> in america yeah but then um, do you know like how does it fit so i think it seems like it's some kind of like cossack dance but what? yeah it's got cossack moves it's got all sorts of clearly based on all sorts of folk okay, dances like eclectic, that but yeah. yes Yes, but they've mashed a bunch of them together. Absolutely. So there's all this kicking and throwing and, and violence built in, built into the dance. But it's also su- looks super fun, but always right on the edge. The Adamses are always right on the edge of surely someone is going to get maimed and somehow they never do. But it's like their very attitude protects them. That makes them able to go right into the valley of death and never die. There's something, yeah, because um, they're fully sort of almost ready and accepting of death. Always. And, <laughs> and that makes them impervious. Kind of. <laughs> which is, right. yeah, which is, I think, kind of a good attitude overall. Oh, it's the best. <laughs> you can achieve that. Any Greek philosopher, if you can die well, that means you lived well. Your whole goal should be to live so that death has no terror for you. But easier said than done, shall we say. (laughs) Well, not if you're Adams, then it's easier. Yeah, not if you're Adams. Not if you're Adams. Yeah, yeah, I know. Man, I have to say it's kind of funny once we get into the episode that we are sort of bonded. But now I know why, because it was secret. Yes. It's, I it's, never it's, really gave it much of thought, but yeah, we're like going to compete who's more, <laughs> who's right. more Adams, because I tell you, even though you had, it seems like the house that just like very much from the Adams cartoon, mm-hmm. I mean, in uh, my non-Hasbro apartment, because it's Moscow, it's like, mm-hmm. Yasha says it's like 19th century kind of lighting system, because there's very no, little right. and very dark, almost kind of <laughs> yellowy orange, weird lamp lamps. Right. So you lived in a perpetual twilight. Yeah, it's always dark if you barely can see anything. There's a huge, long, dark corridor that you have to walk Uh (laughs) to connect to a kitchen or something, you know. And yeah, so I I feel like too bad we can't do the visual, (laughs) you know, like split screen. Oh, I know. know. Because I'm telling (laughs) you, I think, you know, I don't know even who would win. Like, your house is probably dark, but that apartment is really something. 
Oh, it was. It was. It was. And my, my parents had this weird aesthetic quality where they were not interested in comfort. Oh, yeah. Which is like, it's like so... ascetic, like ascetic, like sofa yeah. that is too stiff to even sit on it comfortably. It's too stiff or too, or so lumpy and falling apart, but they don't, didn't care. I slept on the same mattress and it was already secondhand when I got it. And it literally had a trench in the middle. And there was just no consciousness oh. that, that you should care about. The, I mean, the house was as cold as like a barn during winter. <laughs> they just never occurred to them to put in insulation upstairs or do anything. They, they were just not into comfort. The same. My father the was same. The, the only man in the world who didn't want air conditioning in the car and huh. until he was finally forced to have it because it became standard in every car. But he would just be like, you can just roll down the window. I mean, it's just madness. So that was a kind of madness that, 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 I, that I did live with that was just like, these people don't care about physical comfort. How is that possible? But, but I wonder like now thinking back, we can laugh, but I wonder if like I never had a couch even like and the armchair was pretty stiff and it's still the same armchair from like maybe 40 years ago no it's beautiful it's that's the thing it's actually kind of like a quality furniture but too old and too stiff but I wonder if it's like is it even healthy for the kids probably if you like fully know what's the culture behind this like um uh aesthetic approach to life but since I wasn't fully like you know, escape, I fully explained the um, the kind of, what do you call it, the superiority of this lifestyle. I wasn't like, you mm-hmm. know, laid out the philosophy of it. I think I was pretty like, it made me kind of miserable. But now thinking yeah, back, I think too. it's cool. But, you know, it <laughs> no, takes a while. Exactly, that's exactly my attitude. I look back and I think, but there was something cool about it. And actually it did help me for many, many years to endure things that, that bothered other people. And I was just like, come <laughs> used to and the food we ate was appalling too it was just terrible but but i I, but now of course i went the other direction i became way into like comfort because once you discover it you're like oh my god this is great it's warm in here (laughs) and this food is good and these vegetables i can't mash them um they're cooked like right wow that's what that's supposed to taste like so there was a lot of that yeah. when I got out into the world that I had to admit was so much better and then I was really like why why did we live in that state of utter of utter discomfort but it does seem kind of cool in a bizarre sort of way <laughs> I mean I guess it can be inspiring in some you know artistic some, way but I wonder in like in way. your case because if we all tie us and the Adams like what in your case were they them being kind of like m- monks in their approach to life because I think my mom is a monk that explains oh, a lot of things that's so uncanny my mother would have been that would have she would have been so I always thought of her as she should have been a nun in a cell oh yeah or, but oh, a monk yeah. is even better she totally should have okay she totally she used to say to me I, I eat to live I don't live to mm-hmm. eat and I just feel like really she even rejected like food which Mine is one too. of the great pleasures yeah uh, okay but yes. the whole monk thing now i'm wondering yeah it's like i say even differently it's like my mom would would excel in a gulag environment because yeah, right. it's like everything would be good she would wake up early do her i don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> some exercises drink some water mm-hmm. with like a little piece of stale bread would be great it's already like that so Right. So right, in some right, ways right. she would like would notice oh like five years and the kind of so, <laughs> gulag great time to read books I mean I guess if it was like, right. I don't want to exaggerate if it's like hard work hard labor it's different right if it but, was just hard yeah, labor but, but not, if you were just living yeah, in harsh yeah, conditions really harsh conditions been, you have nothing <laughs> like, yeah yes. wouldn't even notice yeah but right <laughs> but then I don't know speaking of the atoms there 
with I mean it's a bit of a stretch they're that's the thing they're kind of they're not monks exactly right sure they don't buy clothes or their house is dilapidated but they seem to kind of enjoy the the somewhat the physical part of life right they do absolutely not, they, yeah. and, they, and they the things that they have seem I don't know you don't want to say it luxurious but they but they have that old world luxury quality to them so even though the house is always shown in the in the adams you know uh, the charles adams cartoons and stuff as you know very much in some sort of state of gothic decay but yeah them in front of a roaring fire is 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 an image but of course there's also them look staring at one of my favorites is them staring out at a out this gigantic picture window i guess that's the luxury part of it it's a big big house yeah. so they're staring out at a at a terrible storm that's blowing the trees sideways and and of course gomez says something like this is the kind of the day that makes you glad to be alive and of course since i always loved that kind of weather I always was like, that's me. That's what I'm in that family. I'm related. I'm a cousin. <laughs> um, so, so it's both. It's the, you know, the harshness of the world, the darkness, all the things that most people want to avoid. They love that would presumably be uncomfortable. They love, but at the same time, it's this, it's this giant, it's this giant house and they're wearing form a version of formal clothing. And so it's this kind of odd mixture of both at the same time. Yeah, and, and again, as, as monks, they, they're not, they don't engage in monk activity. They sort of do their weird experiments and they have the games and they seem to be kind of liking hanging out at least with each other. So there seems to be a lot of kind of familial right. warmth. <laughs> which is- they can even be at a feast. Like there's yeah. that mock. Did you see that cartoon where there's a mock Norman Rockwell Thanksgiving dinner, but it's Lurch is presenting a two-headed pig. Oh, is it the cook's I don't think so. Dish? I look- <laughs> That's one of them. <laughs> I should look up. Yeah. Did you say Norman's? Norman know, Rockwell. Norman Rockwell. You know, he does, he does a, oh, he does a famous Thanksgiving day. Mm-hmm picture of of plenitude of a middle class kind of looks like a farming kind of family some sort of rural family all gathered around a long table and of course it's a turkey oh, wait, wait, wait. being served of course. no 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 that's a famous one yeah yeah yeah, yeah okay. it's famous it's okay, been okay, imitated okay. a million times yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that one <laughs> yeah 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 Yeah, that's true so there's an adams family version of that yeah (laughs) you know it's they do have some sort of participation in holidays but it might be like christmas carolers are at the door and they're about to pour boiling oil (laughs) from the top turret of their huge tall house onto them which you know you have to honor adams family the the 90s movies it op the first one opens with that gag (laughs) with them pouring the boiling oil and i'm like as soon as they do that you're like oh okay they decided to recover the really dark the darker but still very funny of course charles adams imagery and and gags that the the tv show you know kind of took away they took away all those harsher um moments of actually it's one of the it's one of the ones that indicates that sometimes there's this kind of hostility it's not it's sort of like a prank i guess that the, the adamses do they're all like smiling gleefully other than lurch but it's also like they're willing to kind of go to war against the most overt things that the cult the the, the you know the what the establishment culture is offering they, they'll do something aggressive like that occasionally in the cartoon sometimes they just act like they fit in so you just have to kind of negotiate that like you know again morticia going next door to borrow a cup of, of cyanide instead of sugar she's acting like 
a quote unquote housewife would, but she's what she's borrowing is different. So, you know, the jokes kind of range around that way after what he draws them for 50 years. So you get all these kind of different takes on what it is to be an Adams. Yeah. Um, speaking how much they're fitting in, how much they're resisting. Yeah, but speaking of the housewife and the, the whole family setup. So one of the mm-hmm. things is again <laughs> seems to be very old world and <laughs> very anti um, Protestant spirit America. It's like yes, none of yeah. them work. What the hell do they do? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And the, mo- the money issue that clearly yeah, there just is on. money. Yeah, because I think Charles Adams envisioned it. It's like the money is not an issue. I, I, yeah, he, he. I don't think it's ever addressed that in anything I've seen. In the show, they do something weird, uh-huh. as if they feel like they need an explanation. So, so Gomez is always checking his ticker tape, his old fashioned ticker tape printout of the, what's going on in the stock market, so he can check his stocks. <laughs> uh, but then they, yeah. but then they make it Adamsy in that he never cares. So half the time he's announcing it's down, <laughs> but he's still just as gleeful. So it's like it's almost like he just likes playing with the ticker tape or something. <laughs> like he doesn't really care which suggests he has so much money it doesn't matter it kind of doesn't matter but it is a little a little bit of a weirdness because it makes him a kind of capitalist in a way that you never think you're participating in yeah you know the hallmark of capitalism he's into stocks he's tracking his that's wrong i think the only like you would think explanation for their wealth should be some like um gold hidden in their backyard oh that's then that's That's what the 90s movies do that that gomez (laughs) just has this stock of well the family you don't know if it's gomez's but he's the one who looks at it it's the and it's just like ancient it's like old pirate doubloons practically um, that that are and it's unlimited it's just this unlimited amount of wealth that was gotten in some misty past that never gets referred to otherwise um, yeah and that's part of the plot is that Fester not remembering he's an Adams but he's you know has all the Adams tendencies so he's a huge arch fiend criminal is being egged on by his the evil adopted the mother adoptee to, to steal the money to get a hold of the money Um but it's even a little uncomfortable referring to the money. I, I actually prefer the Charles Adams method of just don't even refer don't to refer. it. Don't try to explain it. Just just have them there. Yeah, and and how much more glorious a family is when it's like the money is not even a question. Yes, of course. <laughs> that's that's freedom. That is yeah. freedom in America when the money isn't the question. Isn't the question, yeah. Yes. Doesn't drive you in any way. I know. And you can get variations on that. Like the if you go to Westerns, the Western hero, one of the defining qualities, according to Robert Warshow, he never seems to have to work for money. Hmm. He almost sometimes he'll have a job. He'll be the sheriff of Tombstone or whatever. But a lot of times he doesn't have a job. <laughs> so it's just like he's and he's never interested in money. That's not until you get into revisionist westerns like the '60s and stuff. That's when he starts becoming a professional and taking jobs because he needs the money. And it's Magnificent Seven, and they're all broke and destitute, and they need the money. But in earlier classic westerns from the 1910s through the through the say mid '40s, this indifference to money is part of the this never needing it, mm-hmm. never seeming to need it or be concerned with it, is part of his heroism. So it's like this runs through aspects of Western culture of finding different ways to posit you don't need money. Screwball comedy is another. You'll, you'll, you'll have variations, but one of them is it's people who are just rich and they have to be rich because you... They can't be playing all the time. They can't be out there being screwballs all the time. Sometimes you'll have, you know, you'll have other kinds of class-based need. You'll go exactly the other way, like with it happened one night, where a reporter who's desperate for money has to get the story about the heiress. Mm-hmm. But that issue is got is negotiated in all sorts of different ways. And Adam's family is a great example of let's indicate 
well, well, let's not even mention it, just indicate through what it looks like that they never need money, that somehow they just have money and they don't have to work for it. That's true. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's very envious situation. But um, it also feels like even if they were not rich, which is assumed they are, they're not like big spenders or anything. So, right. That's, so, that's true. So, we don't see them. Yeah, yes, not, they're never going to go to the department exactly. store. Or, I don't know, but like, I guess they buy food or <laughs> it's not clear. But so my point is it's almost like a good, yeah, it's a good model. <laughs> but okay, they have their home. But yeah, there's something very right. wholesome. And in fact, there's a, there's a jokey part of, is it the first or the second one? I guess it's the first one again of the 90s where they lose all their money because Fester. Oh, no, no, it's, no, the, no, second it's the second one. Because this swindled by Debbie. Yeah. Debbie. <laughs> That's right. They lose all their money and they have to go to the motel and live. Yeah, they do seem a bit miserable without the home. And they're totally miserable. Yeah. They're totally yeah. miserable out of their mansion living in a hotel or motel, motel rather, a terrible motel. <laughs> and Gomez goes, you know, completely loses it and is watching, you know, crappy TV. Yeah, but the thing Sarah, is, Sally, Jesse, Raphael. But the hand stuff. and the lurch are still very devoted to them. So, yeah, yeah. Do you know, like, again, it, so it's not even, then it becomes clear it's not, are they even their um, salaried employees or what it's not clear or just part, part of the of family, the family. So, yeah, so they always mm-hmm. will be there just to be yes, part of the yeah. family but do you, do you remember when was it in the original cartoon because i think the hand wasn't was added later the hand and the lurch was added later yes yeah, so do you know the lurch was lurch there. was there yeah never explain he was just there like this right just like there. frankenstein yes. looking like okay yeah he's the only servant yeah but yeah. the hand do you remember how hand the hand appeared what TV, TV show, show. They, they adds the hand. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And it was again never explained, another, right? Never explained. <laughs> just there, <laughs> just comes out of the box. Oh, and it's a huge favorite. So of course it had to be in the '90s films. It always has to be there now. But it was an inspired edition. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm racking my brains, but I, I'm. Yeah, I know. I'm positive. There's, there's no thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there's then no sort of almost like one servant. But the thing is, okay, it might be part of the family, and <laughs> maybe even no money exchange happening there. Mm-hmm. But even in the films, he's sort of, and then the new, in, in the new animated film, it's like this too. They sort of a bit abuse him. You know, he lives in a <laughs> kind of like tiny, some kind of dusty room. Right. They show his bad quarters, yeah. which I hate it. I was immediately like, don't do That's that. Not, That's, that was a bad move. I know. No, no, I know. No, no, At no, least, no, no, they, no. yeah, the way they show it, it's sort of like, he, he's sort of ill-treated, it seems like. Yeah, exactly. But but again, you get into that weird area where because it's the Adamses and they and the the values that they have are so up, I kept trying to argue it to myself. Like, but would it be that that's good? It's sort of like in the TV show, Gomez sleeps on a bed of nails for relaxation. <laughs> I mean, is it that kind of thing where they're trying? But it, it didn't play that way. It had this abject, miserable quality that suggested even Lurch would be miserable there. So I really hated it. I was just like, no, you're not supposed to show that. In fact, in the TV show, there's a whole episode devoted to how, um, how they – you know, Morticia explicitly says you're part of the family. So they are helping to teach him to dance so he can go to the butler's ball. (laughs) And it's a whole episode just built around their devotion to Lurch and making sure that Lurch is happy. Um, Of course, Charles Adams would never have done that. Just, there's just nothing said. It's just Lurch is always there, (laughs) you know? So that's probably the best way, but the worst way is to make him um, uh, what looks to be like an abused servant. That's really bad. Yeah, that's a bad move. And it's also very kind of, I don't know, lack of imagination. Yeah, because it makes them, again, very normal, co- evil, conventional, conventional <laughs> evil capitalists, yeah. like exploiting yeah. 
this i don't know the labor and um yeah yeah it just um well it does seem that i guess the whole the, the new adams movie was just created to i don't know to have some to make my bank on halloween or i don't know absolutely just, and to there's just take advantage <laughs> of an established successful name and just to assume you know how invested are people really most people aren't going to care most people if they don't know the adams is why would they care they'll just go and go oh yeah this is this is this is a typical animated film with a typical moral of the story everyone needs to be more broad-minded including the adams family and you're just like oh <laughs> um, but you're only feeling that way if you're already dedicated to it other people aren't going to notice or care so no it's doing badly i I mean, at least it's it's getting bad reviews. It has a terribly low rating um, on what is it called? Rotten Tomatoes. It's way down in the 40s or something. So I don't think I don't know that it's super popular, but that could be for a lot of reasons. Yeah, I don't know. But it's kind of sad that it fell into the same, you know, this um, I think terrible pattern, the sequel pattern, the crazy stagnation, like Brezhnev era and Hollywood with like yeah. having no ideas and trying to just. I don't know. Make money turning out. And sequels. one of the worst moves mm-hmm. they make is, well, let's find the backstory. The prequel is and they always find, prequel. yeah, the prequel. They always do that. Like it's like when they did the Grinch, um, you know, the one with with the voice by Jim, Jim Carrey. Carrey yeah, 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 the Jim Carrey yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, and they had to come up with the backstory for why is the Grinch like the Grinch? What terrible disappointments were in his life? And they do the same kind of false equivalence where now <sighs> the Who's, the Who's are now selfish and greedy and terrible, and that's why he became bad. And you're like, if you like, if you liked, you know, the the Doctor Seuss and then the wonderful cartoon uh, made of it, you're like, that's so horrible. Everything isn't everything. This weird equal sign. Everything's kind of the same, and you just have to kind of even it out. It's just like, no. The Grinch doesn't mean anything if he isn't in fundamental opposition to the Who's, who in fact are almost unbearably good. (laughs) That's the thing. They are. You know, they're the ones who don't care if they get the presents at all. It's just Christmas itself is so magical and wonderful that they all sing anyway, remember? And instead, you make them selfish and materialistic and bad. And that's how the Grinch got to be bad. And you're just like, what? Yeah. So it's that kind of terrible backstory. And I don't get that. What is that about anyway? What is that story supposed to mean? I don't know. I don't know. Judge no one. No one's really bad. Everyone, if you just knew their childhood story, would turn out to be. You would You would understand. Would really be good. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's a really, really bad general pattern because no one have any new ideas, any new stories. They just try to do some extensions <laughs> to the existing stories and it makes them only worse. Yeah, you know? and it always makes it soft, so soft and edgeless that you don't know what happened to you when it's over. You're just like, what? <laughs> what, what was that? I'll never get over the town being called assimilation. I know. And then making it, that's the problem. There's this mania for everyone has to fit in, everyone has to dress alike, everyone has to act alike, everyone has to look alike. That's supposed to be bad. And then by the end, it's not bad. In fact, everyone does need to assimilate, including the Adamses, and then everyone will be happy. And you're just like, what's happening? And everyone is super <laughs> accepting of each other in this American yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, all of a sudden, and, and uh, yeah, everyone can dress yeah alike, and you'll just paint the Gothic mansion pink, and, and yeah, and everyone will get along, and everyone will love each other. And there are no, in other words, there are no clashes. There are no meaningful clashes no. of values, attitudes, and beliefs. Wow, None. that's just sort of the proof that kind of the mediocrity 
<laughs> right, yes, right. Every, everyone's going to be pablum in the end. Yeah. Everyone's going to be just a bunch of mush in the end. But we'll all be, you know, smiling mush, <laughs> smiling and cooperative and believing middle of the road things. That's what really counts. That's what it seems like. It's like, let's all be, you know, what? Not nothing in particular. Let's all be kind of, you know, in the center. <laughs> if you want to get a political message out of it, let's all be centrists. Let's all be soft centrists. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just like, anyway, that's just depressing. It's so depressing. It was really, really, that was a really hard thing watching the Adams Family, the new one. I was just like, God, how could you ruin this material? It's it's so wonderful. It's, it was always such a wonderful escape. You're just like, I can just sink into the Adams, the Adams Family. And, and I could, all, you know, you're not the only person I bonded with over the Adamses and loving the Adamses. You know, it's, it's kind of rare, but you'll periodically you'll meet someone who also is into them and and it's yeah. it's a glorious moment always, and you don't really have to explain it. <laughs> no, you just kind of can quote things to each other and then <laughs> hug yourself with glee, like yes. <laughs> I know. Remember the lines that always stuck with me from the second film. Um, mm-hmm. I think the uh, the dropping Marticia at um, the dropping Wednesday at the camp and meet some crazy, yeah. um, you know, <laughs> blonde family. <laughs> And they're right, asking, right. like, uh, I don't know, I think Wednesday's sort of been just Wednesday. Someone asked her, oh, what is she thinking about? Like, boys? She's like, mm-hmm. no, homicide. Homicide, <laughs> like, that's right. Just like any teenage thoughts, homicide. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And Christina Ricci, she really should be commended. Yeah. She'll, she never gave a better no, performance. No, I think that's she the best. And it's perfect. a bit, you know, I guess sad that you did your best at age, what, 13, top. It is a little sad. But, you know, she yeah. was just born to play know, that part. She's you know. got that crazy face. The smile, though. I, I tried replicating oh, I it. It's just kind of hard to do the smile. It is. The, the, the slightly wild-eyed... <laughs> Um, yeah, you, the photo you did when you compared yeah. your braids to her braids and she had that gleaming eyed smile, which actually looks more like John Aston playing Gomez. Oh, that's true. Um, it's a bit you know, It's a little more. Yeah, because in the in the cartoons and stuff, you never see her smile. She's always, you know, she's always deadpan. Um, but yeah, that they added that was actually very apt because, you know, she gets that gets that look when only when it's going to be maximum delightful mayhem i forget what she smiles like that over there's something maybe it's in the camp i can't remember now but it's over some some mayhem they're gonna commit but i love the first one where there's that wonderful thing where the adamses go to the school play <laughs> and all the all the children are dressed as flowers singing getting to know you <laughs> it's a rogers and hammerstein song and they're just both you know side glancing each other and just looking like oh my god we have to sit through this and then you know wednesday and pugsley come out and do that magnificent sword fight from the end of hamlet <laughs> and they they're doing the quotations from hamlet and doing this magnificent you know, and they're spouting blood as they cut off each other's extremities. And, uh, and only, of course, only the atoms are, are now per- perking up while everyone else is appalled. And it was this beautiful, beautiful moment that was a great extension of Charles Adams' sensibility with Fester in the audience of, of having the opposite reaction. But it was, a, it was also just thinking, yes, why couldn't school plays be like this? Kill children would love to get into that kind of thing. Um, get into the, the darker mayhem. That would have been just heaven. Um, for me anyway, for my sensibilities, it would have been. And there was so much darkness going on among kids. There always is anyway. Kids have a, f- a fundamentally dark sensibility, yeah. a dark streak that bit, we just tamped down. It's hammered out. Yes. Yeah. 
Yes, exactly. And there's some weird conspiracy. I think there's some conspiracy to dress them all in like pink and blue with little, no, all, with little like Ryan. Little girl yeah. isn't shoved into pink and purple. I know. These my little pony kind of outfits with glitter and flowers and uh, it's just ghastly, <laughs> ghastly. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's yeah. <laughs> I think that's a different story. I kind of you know been by the way. This, for so long um, outside of the U.S. and coming back, one of the things mm-hmm. that st- strikes you kind of notice how uh, sort of pigeonholed all these stratas of society are, and kids especially, mm-hmm. as a completely separate. I mean, everyone is here separated, but kids definitely like as if like a separate class of people, which mm-hmm. I think makes you know the whole infantilization <laughs> makes makes it somehow worse, you know. And mm-hmm. speaking of the Adams, that's never the case mm-hmm. there. They're just like part of the family, like everyone else. Yes. And there's, yes. you know, they're not put into any particular tighter, um, some kind of tighter framework the, right. the way they're exactly. done here. And um, yeah, and then, <laughs> well, so I feel like, you know, it should be somehow the spirit of <laughs> the atoms. <laughs> it should, you know, should, should yes. live. <laughs> And, uh, exactly. and well, and yeah. you can see the marks on the culture. You know, the other people have taken this up in more serious ways, like Jessica Mitford's the what is it called, the American Way of Death. Oh, you know, mm-hmm. and we can't handle it at all. So of course we've, <laughs> you know, we've handed it all off to quote unquote professionals. You know, you get the get that body you get that sick person away from mm-hmm. me into a bright gleaming hospital yeah. get the get the body away from me get everything away from me total denial of death and what do you get you get this pathology in which we absolutely that's absolutely accurate so that was another kind of you know the, the Adams family kind of in their way addressed this like this is all that we can't handle coming back again in this marvelous form that just shows you your life could be richer and deeper <laughs> if you weren't always Val Luton films if you watch Val Luton horror films he's all over that Americans can't stand history and Americans can't stand death <laughs> and so he brings into his films that are all set in almost all I think they're all contemporary America of the 40s it's always someone comes along who has a past or a sense of the past and in, is in some easier relationship some close and porous relationship to death and they're like cat people is the is the beginning of the cycle oh, right the, i think the cat people might be the only one i've heard of by him okay, yeah that's, that's the most famous, famous one yeah, it's probably that one yeah yeah and it's this woman who comes from serbia and kind of believes the eastern european tales of her village that you know the women are cat people um and that they were you know most of them were driven out by you know this guy who's you know sir john something or other um figure who you know kills impales them all on a sword nothing phallic there and anyway she winds up in america haunted by the idea that she's a cat woman but you know in other words she has a past she has a history and she has a close relationship to death animals and darkness and she's introduced to a guy who calls himself a good old a good plain america old americano and he has no past he doesn't live anywhere in particular you never see his home he works at a place where he measures things with a little <laughs> little measuring devices and he has absolutely no soul no ability to go into depths or darkness or anything so of course you know she's gonna have to be sacrificed because all the normals you know think she's there's something wrong with her but Luton was from Russia (laughs) and Luton's sense of America was they what the hell is wrong with these people 
They don't come from anywhere. They don't want to know anything about the past and history. Nothing seems to influence them in any deep way. They have no sense of art. They have no sense of anything that hits you in your in your depths. They don't have depths. <laughs> They're shallows. So it's a miracle he was as successful as he was. Um, he worked himself to death. He died at 46. Man, he was, but he was like pretty um, productive, right? How many films he had? Oh my God, he was so successful, but he never fit in. You know, he was tormented, tormented man. He was super like emotional and, and sensitive. And, and my favorite story of him is he, he went to, to meet uh, an executive coming in on the train. And this is when he wasn't, he wasn't yet a producer of his own films. He was working for David Selznick as an assistant producer. And he, had to, he was assigned to go meet this guy and he hated this guy. And so he wore his ugly, the ugliest tie he owned. And later he said, well, if he'd, if he'd had any intelligence at all, he would have seen the tie that I wore and would have known that meant I hated it. <laughs> it's just crazy, this guy. <laughs> but that's how sensitive he was aesthetically. <laughs> the, 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 the ugliness of the tie was an insult in itself. <laughs> I kind of agree. I mean, I didn't give it much thought, but no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you would love him and you'd love his films. Yeah. He's marvelous. He's a marvelous Russian transplant who just doesn't belong, but somehow just yeah, through sheer work and brilliance, gets himself into a successful place but then literally he dies and he's 66 and he's 46 and he looks 66 yeah he just looks like death um and yeah he really had a rough life but his his horror films are marvelous and the adams would probably approve of him what is like there to preserve your like rosy complexion you know you need blood to keep <laughs> to keep your complexion rosy yeah like who yeah. cares whatever he looked <laughs> he looked old and died but yeah, I should, right. yeah I should, I should go back because I think I only know very, only heard of cat people. I never, I never watched. Yeah, and there's I walked with a zombie and the leopard man, and those are probably his. Mm-hmm. I think those are his three best, but the, you know all of them are good. There's not, there's not that many. There's like six or seven. Yeah, very few. That's true. Well, just yeah. you know, I feel like since the last almost like 15 minutes all we do is talk shit about America and American culture I mean well, but the Adams Family brings it up bring, because yeah. the critique is so clear yeah. it's so manifest what the critique True. is and, it, yeah. and, and you know it comes from from Americans from and from from Charles Adams and the other who followed with scripts and films so you know not not all is lost <laughs> Yeah, no. Yeah. There's at least there's this strain in the culture yeah. that recognizes definitely <laughs> that recognizes our pathology and is trying to address it. Yeah, and I do have um, to say, like, I mean, have you heard like Lynch? David Lynch finally got his Oscar. Um, oh, I saw that. Yeah, I yes. saw his little speech. Which you know, Lynch <laughs> is very much some kind of <laughs> fits oh, into completely. the family. Can be like a weird uncle. Yes, oh, he's cousin. definitely a weird uncle. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. I know. I, and now it's become weirdly fashionable. I see. I see young people on my feed dissing the hell out of him. Really, and I'm just huh. like, what is fucking wrong with you? Why you can't recognize an ally when you see one? Well, oh, they're just like he's so overrated. You know, there's nothing really going on there. It's all this superficial artsy shit or something. And I'm just like, what are you looking at? It's I mean, not. I'm, just, I'm so baffled. I can't even answer that. That just is madness. <laughs> Um, if you can't just watch the beginning of Blue Velvet or <laughs> Ball and Drive and go, yep, he's nailed it. He's so accurate. This is what kills me. He's so accurate. Oh, my God. 
living in LA and watching Mulholland Drive was one of the most freaky experiences I ever had because it was literally like I was going to go out, walk behind a dumpster and see that dumpster monster. <laughs> it was like, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Those bungalows where she commits suicide. Yup. It's that suicide light in there. Oh, but you lived also on there more on the east side. I did. Right? So it was, yeah. So it was very. But I went to that diner. Landscape. What was it? John, yeah. Is it Johnny's? I'm always forgetting the name of that diner. Oh, I was in oh, there. What is it called? You know, everyone went there. I think it was Johnny's. Um, you drive up those, up the, you know, kind of Mulholland Drive, like, you know, you drive up into the Hollywood Hills. You go to those parties. I went to a party that looked exactly like that. <laughs> the approach to that party at the Modernist. It was, it was like, <laughs> yep. Been there, done that. And the same feeling of kind of both dread and there's something, there is something glamour. that's real glamour, that mysterious thing. There is real glamour there. Yeah. That's why it's dangerous. That's why it's a dangerous place. That's why it's a legendary place. There really was something. There really still probably is something. Yeah. Well, going back there, it seems like mid-December, so should rewatch watch yeah, Yes, to prepare, mentally prepare yourself. <laughs> Just mentally. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, well, yeah, hooray to Lynch, you know, finally got an Oscar. I mean, it's a bit offensive that they didn't give him an Oscar, honestly, for just like, like directing a real one. one of the best <laughs> yeah. films, you know, like a real Oscar, yeah. not like for some kind of accumula- yes. accumulated, not, not the know, token what, honorary. Kind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 but um. But yeah. he's totally but in the family. Anyway. How, I mean, I have always thought I'm, yeah. I'm related mm-hmm. to Poe. I'm related to, to Charles Adams and his family. I'm related to Lynch. I mean, that's my family is the dark, the dark American family. That's that's it. Philip K. Dick. Yes, it's like there's it's somewhere there. there. The ones. <laughs> he's like a full brother, <laughs> some kind of <laughs> savant brother. Yes. And otherwise, it would be very hard to make it through. If you if you if you're not, you just have to. Certain types of people really flourish in America. And other types are always, I think, going to struggle. And I was always... And then sometimes, yeah, yeah, and then sometimes they do weirdly come on top. And And that's always always surprising. Like incredible. Like, how is Lynch? How is he this Lynch? I don't know how that happens. It makes me, you know, I'm pretty cynical, but the Lynch story, the historian's life makes me going to believe in all the best. And (laughs) I don't know, in Hollywood, America, Yeah, but it's still possible for like one in a million to be able to to come through it can happen yeah so i guess on this note i mean we sort of did a good job i hope i don't know i can't judge it we got to talk about the adamses for quite a long time that that's its own reward <laughs> that's a reward yeah and uh you know we warned you about the the new animated film maybe you'll go back and look at the old charles adams drawings and the 90s films and even the 60s show which is streaming on amazon right now it's free if you want to stream it it's halloween i think we're done Happy Halloween, everyone. Right. Happy Halloween. And uh, we'll be back in, in two weeks. And it'll be to be announced what we're talking about, because it'll be a mystery surprise. <laughs> Even to us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I kind of wanted to <laughs> conceal it. But yes, it went to us. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>